want to share with you about living a blessed life, what it looks like to be a blessed man or a blessed woman, what it looks to be a, like to be a blessed person or to have the blessing of God. Amen. Anybody interested in being blessed by God? Anybody here want to be blessed by the Lord? You know, oftentimes when we talk of blessing or somebody says blessed, the, the, the first thing we think about is financially uh, prospering, right? Being prosperous or having finances, we, some, in some circles, that's what they mean by the saying blessed, being blessed. Because that definition is out there, I want to redefine blessing. I want to redefine blessed so that, so that we can understand what I'm talking about. Being blessed is having the peace of God in our hearts and in our lives and in our mind, right? Being blessed is, is knowing that we're in a relationship with God where we're adopted by Him, right? And we're not forsaken, but instead that God is with us no matter where we go, amen? Anybody believe that's as being blessed? We'll have a picnic. Don't nobody worry, you know, even in the midst of the rain. Oh, a lot of windows down. <laughs> only at the rock run get ready for that 5k <laughs> times when you don't have a foyer okay no all right <laughs> all right so as we as they do that let's just continue here so when i speak of blessing listen if i can get your attention here if we can keep the chat to the minimum back there if uh, when I speak of blessing, again, I'm talking about l- having a life of peace, having a life of contentment. How many of y'all know what contentment is? Being content. I'm convinced that many of us don't need to prosper anymore. The question is, can we be content with the prosperity God's given us? Are you with me? I'm not saying that I don't want God to bless you. I want God to bless you immeasurably. But I am convinced that many of us, including me, maybe the issue is not that we're not prosperous or that we're, we're not stable financially. Maybe the issue is that we need to learn to be content with all that God has already provided. And I believe that's the blessing of God, to live in contentment, right? And not chasing after the wind. And, and I believe that, it, uh, you know, uh, the, being a blessed person is someone who walks without the pressure of the world, without, with, without the weight of anxiety on them because they know that they're yoked to the Lord and the yoke of the Lord is easy, right? The Lord is carrying that burden with us. So that's what I speak about when I speak about blessed men or a blessed woman, what it looks like to be a blessed person. David speaks about being blessed and he uh, talks about it in Psalm 32. And I want to share that with you very quickly. It reads this way. Uh, blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away though my gro- uh, through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Isn't that good? Verse 6, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of 
deliverance. Amen. And amen. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your presence being with us today. And help us to focus, God, and to understand all that you're saying to us today. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. David here, in this portion of Scripture, gives us a picture of what it looks like to be blessed. And he actually talks about himself as the blessed individual and also as the person who wasn't blessed. He's almost having a conversation out of joy where he's talking to multiple people, talking to God, talking to the listeners, right? And talking about himself. And here he gives a picture of what it looks like to be blessed. First, he says, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin are covered, who the Lord counts no iniquity against them. And I want to show you a little bit about well, what, are, what do these words mean if we go to that slide. First of all, the word transgressions. The word transgression means boundary line. How many of y'all are old enough to remember the roadrunner and the coyote? You remember that? Do you remember, or Elmer Fudd and, and Roger Rabbit, do you remember when they used to do this? Cross that line. Remember that? Drawing the line in the sand. Do you remember that foolishness, right? Like as if that's going to stop the roadrunner, the amazing roadrunner, right? And so, uh, anyways... When, when I think of boundary lines, I kind of get a picture of God setting the line in the sand. Saying, I'm setting parameters for my people. Teaching them what it looks like to live in freedom. Teaching them what it looks like to live in my presence. Teaching them what it looks like to obey my commandments. God has set parameters. And His parameter is His Word. And so, when David says transgression, I've transgressed, blessed is he who's, who's been forgiven of their transgressions. He's saying, blessed is he who's been forgiven of crossing the boundary lines of God's parameters for living. It says, blessed is he whose sin is covered. You've got to remember, you're talking about a king in a time where sacrifices were made. And when sin was covered, it was because an animal was sacrificed. So that people's sin would be covered. So that people would have the favor of God as opposed to walking separate from God and walking with the judgment of God on them. So David is saying, praise God. Blessed is the individual who, who sins are covered because a sacrifice, an appropriate and acceptable sacrifice has been made. Do you know that there's an appropriate and acceptable sacrifice that has been made for your sins? Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And then he says this, and blessed are those whose iniquity is not counted against them. Well, one of the things that iniquity means, the word iniquity means perversion and the corruption that is within our own hearts. Well, pastor, my heart is so good, I can't even think or fathom of the thought of corruption in there. I mean, the devil makes me do things, but... Anybody with me? Anybody with me? The Bible says the heart is the most deceitful thing above everything, right? So in our hearts, there are sinful things that we think about. In our minds, there are things that we think about that are just not godly. They're not pleasing to God. They grieve us and they grieve Him. David says, blessed, blessed, blessed is the man whose perversion, whose corruption caught up in their own heart, which is the translation for this verse, is not counted against them. Mm, That's a good word. That's a really good word. That means, this is one thing it means, We need to stop blaming the devil when it's our fault. Anybody with me? Right? Sometimes it's easier to blame the devil. The hard thing is to kind of discern when it's time to rebuke our own 
our own hearts, right? Psalm 36 says, the wicked, the wicked, there's an oracle within the heart of the wicked, and that's this. The wicked flatter themselves too much in their own eyes, so much so that they can't detect their own sin. I read that the first time. When I read it, you know what I thought? Oh, that's Johnny right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's easy to say, yep, that's, that's, that's exactly that person. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, it's you. Oh, right? You're like, oh, me, right? But that's what the Word does, reveal certain things, right? So that we can get whole in the Lord, right? So we can get whole in the Lord. So David says, bless is the one who God doesn't count their perversion or corruption or evil thoughts that are in their hearts and in their minds. And blessed is the one who doesn't walk in deceit or walk in falsehood or tries to keep up an image. Praise God. Nobody here has ever tried to keep up an image, right? I'm going to be honest. I, I am guilty as charged. I, I know how to paint a picture of the person I want to be. I have a hard time painting the picture of who I really am. Are you with me? I'm going to repeat that again because that's a present reality. That's a thing that I have to walk in confession every day and admit that reality. I have a... I have an ability to paint the picture of the men I want to be, but I, but I have a real hard time painting a picture of who I really am. God's helping me with that. I'm sort of speaking spiritual recovery. I'm okay with saying that. Amen? God is dealing with me in that area, and he's dealing with you too. You just may not know it right now, but you know, we're all in that working progress, aren't we? God's dealing with us, teaching us not to walk in the seat. Now, when we look at the psalm that was written, it was written by David. And David, we know that he was a poor boy chosen by God to be king over Israel. Amazing. But we also know that he was an incredible psalmist. He, he was an incredible writer of music and of poems. And he, ha- he had an incredible ability to play instruments, right? The harp, per se. He was gifted by God. We also know that David was a man's man. He was a warrior. He knew how to fight. He knew how to stand up. And so here's the kind of guy that you kind of, everybody looked to and and were inspired by him because he was a man's man. He had all these abilities, these giftings, and he was obviously chosen by God. But there were certain things that David did very wrong. Number one, one thing that we see is that David really failed as a father, didn't he? When you look at the story of his children and the way he dealt with his children, you can see that there were instances and times where David took the wrong decision in dealing with Absalom, uh, Amnon, and dealing with, his, with, with the abuse of his own daughter, Tamar. David really dropped the ball with his children, if you look at the text. You also know that David at one point was idle. When all the kings were defending the honor of their country, while David was supposed to be out there defending uh, the honor of Israel and fighting for his God, he was idle. He was at home. He wasn't doing what all the kings were doing. And idleness, that opened the door for temptation, right? Because he was idle, he was tempted. He fell into temptation. He had sex with a married woman. He became an adulterer. And then he tried to hide his adultery, and it led to greater sin. Because every time we hide sin, it leads to greater sin. There's a progression or to more sin, right? And so he tried to hide his sin, and he became, to make a long story short, a murderer. So in David, we have a a man chosen by God, incredibly gifted, a warrior. And we also have someone who really dropped the ball as a father, 
someone who was idle at one point, who became an adulterer and a murderer. But praise God, this is good news. David was also called a man after God's heart. Right? Which means this. This is good news for me. Okay? If we make mistakes, if we turn to God, repent of our sins, and turn to Him, He's able to restore us. And not just restore us and put up with us, but bring us so close in. Allow us to be people after the very heart of God. That's good news to me. Because I made mistakes. Amen? And I'm thankful that I've been forgiven. And I aspire to be a man after God's heart. Amen? So David, the reason why I paint this picture of David is so that you can understand that David has a reason to write this psalm. He knows what he's talking about. He's been, both, he's been the guilty and the acquitted. He's been the one worthy of judgment and the one who received grace and mercy. And he, he shares with us what it means to be blessed. And he begins this way. He says, blessed is the person who's forgiven of their sins. Forgiven. That is what being blessed looks like. The blessing of God for us begins when we receive the forgiveness of God. Amen? Because when we receive the forgiveness of God, we receive all the blessings of God. His mercy, His reconciliation. We're restored to Him. We're adopted by Him. All of a sudden, we're not going to be named after the sin that we commit. We're going to be named after the God who saved us from the sin that we committed. All of a sudden, we're not captive and in prison or, or entitled captivity. All of a sudden, we have the name of those who, you know, who are more than conquerors. I think about Mephibosheth, how he was crippled at both feet and he couldn't sit at the table of the king. But David brought him in to sit at his table and he was treated like one of the sons. And you and I have been crippled by sin, unworthy to sit in the presence of God. But yet God calls us to his table by his forgiveness. Amen. And instead of being called Mephibosheth, which is rightly translated out of the mouth of condemnation, we're called the righteousness of God. That's good news. Amen. So being a blessed man, a blessed woman, a blessed person is receiving the forgiveness of God. Then David says, because I know what it is not to be forgiven. Oh, I know what it is to carry the guilt of sin in my life. And listen to the way that he describes it. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. That's an incredible poetic description of how he felt, right, about his sin. Listen, last week I shared with you about how the Lord set me free from pornography and how I had to seek accountability and continue to walk in freedom in that area. I still have accountability. And the reason why I share that is because I believe that it's important that we testify of how God sets us free, no matter what it may be. Right? I believe that. And also because I know what it feels to have the weight of sin sickness on you. The weight of of feeling like God's judgment is on you. The reality of the matter is that sin does something almost all the time. It isolates. Sin isolates. And when you isolate yourself, the only counsel you're receiving is the counsel of your thoughts. And for some of y'all, that's very scary. No, for all of us, that's very scary. Are you with me? Right? That's very scary. And when we're there, our strength is sapped away. I don't know about you, but when I'm 
trying, when I was trying to hide sin or where there were issues that were unresolved, uh, stress that needed to be dealt with before the Lord and with others, it was as if my strength was taken from me. It was, I was walking around disheartened and discouraged, feeling like I needed to take care of something. That's what sin does. It takes your strength away. And I also believe that David is talking about a physical reality. I believe that sin has an ability to affect your health. And I'm not just talking about the smoking, the overeating, or the drinking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bitterness, unforgiveness, vengeance, right? And, you know, I want to kind of clarify something. Oftentimes we think of, when we think of vengeance, we think of murder or somebody taking action that way. But vengeance could be the way you speak to your wife or the way your wife is speaking. To, you know, a wife speaks over a husband, right? Trying to give back or with words attacking. That's vengeance, Invite me over for dinner. Don't get too mad at me. Are you with me? You know, any, any lashing out could be vengeance. So, um, so I believe that all these things, bitterness, all these things can really affect and break down the heart and destroy the immune system. And I've heard people testify, this bitterness has got me to this bed. This bitterness, this unforgiveness. They're holding on to that to their dying, to their dying day. God, God save us from that, right? And David is saying, this is how it was for me. This is how it was for me when I didn't acknowledge my sin. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You know, the weight of the judgment of the wrongdoing. And believe you me, also the attacks of the enemy in the midst of all that takes our strength away think about that reality we don't need to live this way sister Yuna said this you know what hidden sin what's hidden sin really is it's a man-made prison hidden sin is a man-made prison let's pray that god will break down that prison today for each and every one of us and then david says i know what it's like to be there right i know what it's like to be there But then he says, therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Wow. It's almost like David is having a conversation and he's so excited. He's talking to multiple people. First, he's like, man, I want to tell you who's blessed. I want to tell you who's blessed. The person who's blessed is the person who's been forgiven of perversion. The person who's been forgiven of their sins. The person who God doesn't count their iniquity against them. And let me tell you, I was that person. I was that person. I was hiding my sin. And this is how it made me feel. It was destroying me physically. So God, I'm telling you, God, oh, let everyone who is godly cry out to you. This, it's like he's excited and he's talking to people and he's talking to God and he's sharing of the goodness of God. Do you see that you need to perceive the, 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 the way that David is trying to portray this message in the way that, 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 that it's written. And it, and it goes this, listen to that again. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Look at the language there. Then I find a problem with that verse. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found or cry out to you when you may be found. There's another verse that troubles me that's like that, that it says this. If seven times the righteous fall, seven times the Lord will pick them up. I have a problem with that. 
Why in the world do the godly need to cry out to God or the righteous need to be lifted up? If they're righteous, they're not falling. If they're godly, everything's cool. Right? I mean, if they're godly, pious, holy, good is the actual translation of that word godly. So why, what, what's the deal there? The Lord's taught me this, saints. I hope that you pick it up with me. Being godly and being righteous doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. Being godly and being righteous, I think, begins with me. If you would accept this, begins with me with understanding and accepting that I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of God to deliver me. Being godly and righteous continues with understanding that if I fall, I can fall forward into the arms of God. Are you with me? Being godly and righteous teaches me that when I fall, I can choose to fall into his arm and be restored. I don't have to keep continue in sin. And I don't have to say, you know what? Might as well continue in sin because I dropped the ball. No. How many dear brothers and sisters in Christ give up on the walk because they fall short? Get back up again. If seven times the righteous fall, seven times the Lord will pick you up. Why are you righteous? Because you believe that you need Jesus. His blood, right? Right? He became sin. Jesus became sin, even though he knew no sin, so that you and I can be the righteousness of God. Why? Because we were sinners. We couldn't pay the price. Jesus paid the price so that we can be set free. He is our righteousness. As we cry out to him, he is our righteousness. And seven times, the number seven talks about completion. His faithfulness. God is complete in restoring. God is complete in picking you up. Amen. Isn't he good? Godliness is knowing you are in need of a savior. And then let's continue. You are, uh, it, it says, uh, Offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Whatever you're struggling, whatever it is that's going on, you don't have to be oppressed or overcome by those situations because you have victory in Christ. There was a point in my life where I thought I'll never get freedom from this lustful attacks uh, or, or, or this, this pornography. I'll never get freedom from, from these things that plague me day in and day out. There was a time where I felt this is stronger than me. And I can testify today that I've been set free. My marriage has been free. My ministry is free. And it doesn't mean that I'm not tempted. But I don't think that any temptation or struggle that I have is greater than my God who lives in me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we keep humble, we keep moving forward. And even when the rushing waters come, they are nevertheless rushing waters. But my God is still greater. My God is still greater. Amen. You are a hiding place for me. This is what David says. Obviously, after he confessed his sin, after he walked with no deceit, after he had been forgiven, this is what he says about God. He says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. My brothers and my sisters, for those who confess their sins before the Lord, for those who are open and honest and say, God, this is who I am. Those who seek accountability, not just shouting their issues to everyone, but seek godly accountability. For those who are willing to come before the Lord because they know that they need a Savior and cry out to Him. God becomes a hiding place. You know what sin does? It's the most incredible thing. It isolates, but it also makes you feel vulnerable, like everybody knows. Isn't that crazy? Sin will isolate you. Nobody knows what's going on with you. You're 
tormented by your own thoughts. And yet when you walk into church or somewhere, you feel like everybody knows your business. That's not everybody here, but maybe a few. Right? Right? That's what, that, that's, it's incredible. Also, there's the work of the Holy Spirit that reveals certain things that we could re- so that we could repent of those sins. But listen, this is what David says. You are a hiding place for me. God is a refuge. I want you to pay attention to this. You surround me with songs or with shouts of deliverance. Boy, I've heard a lot of shouts. And I've heard my mind shout at me. I've heard condemnation shout at me. You're worthless. Why are you even trying? Why do you even go to church? Why do you preach? You're worthless. You messed up. You shouldn't have said that point. You lost that person. They're not going to say, these are the thoughts that run through my mind. They're not going to respond to God because of you. You're standing in the way. You're worthless. You're worthless. Nothing you do is good enough. And those shouts used to plague my mind. And they still, from week to week, they plague my mind. And I got numbers of brothers when I call and say, okay, we got to deal with this. We got to crush this lie. Right? But you know, they plague my mind. I've heard the shouts. But you know what the Word of God says? He replaces that. You don't have to, you don't have to be shut down by thoughts of condemnation because the Lord Himself shouts deliverance over you. And then, can you think about warrior God shouting deliverance over you? That's powerful. Songs of deliverance. And you know, sometimes we, we hear this stuff like, you dance over me. Right? These songs that are kind of like, how can I describe it in godly terms? Girly? You know, we're like, I don't know how I feel about this whole idea of God dancing over me. Right? I don't know how I like this whole idea of God singing songs of deliverance. It just sounds a little not for me. Right? But you know, you got to start thinking of this like, uh, okay, I'm going to invite you into the way this thinks. Yeah, when, I, when I think of that, I think about God being a warrior. And I think about the culture of David. Warriors, when people would overcome and they would set captives free, they would shout in deliverance, right? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a silly thing. It was a powerful, mighty thing that was happening when God gave people victory. You know, I almost get a picture of, of the Patriot. You ever seen the movie where, when, when Gibson's riding around with his flag and he's screaming, Oh, like, yes! Right? I get more rocky in my mind than anything else, all right? Listen, God is just, I want you to think about it. God is singing songs of deliverance, shouts of deliverance over his people. He is your freedom, and he is speaking life and deliverance and freedom over you. Isn't that good? A blessed person. So how is David saying this? You know, when I read this psalm, I almost see David doing this. Man, tell you what, Joe. A blessed person is a person who's been forgiven. A person who has evil thoughts and God doesn't count them against him because he knows your struggles. A person who has crossed the boundary lines over and over again and God has forgiven. That's the person who has been blessed. Because let me tell you what, David. Let me tell you what. I, w- I was so unforgiven. I was unforgiven because I was walking in sin. I was trying to hide my sin. All the sins that I committed. I was trying to hide them. Maybe cover them enough to paint an image to people and to God. And it was just killing me. I'm telling you, physically, it was killing me. But praise God, let everyone who can shout, everyone who believes, everyone who knows that there is a Savior, Savior cry out to God while he may be found. Let him cry out to God for when he may be found. Because no matter what you're going through, what you're facing, those rushing waters, those struggles that seem so overwhelming, God will be a hiding place for you. More than a hiding place, you don't have to hide from your issues. God himself will battle for you and he will deliver you.
Isn't he good? Isn't God good? And like every good story, every good act of God, uh, it doesn't end with men. It ends with God. And God says to his people, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you will go. And I will counsel you with my eye on you. God's eye on you means his blessing, his favor, his covering. What he says in Second Peter chapter 1, I will bless you with every spiritual blessing that you need for life and godliness. Amen. Isn't your God good? Amen. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. I just want to ask you this one question. You want to trade your condemnation for songs of deliverance this morning? Hmm. You want to trade those shouts of condemnation for songs of deliverance this morning? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, you're such a good God. You're such a good God. Oh, it's so good to know that we can confess our sins to you, repent, turn from our wicked ways. And God, that you don't don't forsake us. You don't turn your back on us. Lord, so many hands went up. And they said today, I know that I've been forgiven. I remember being forgiven and feeling the release that those sins were completely taken from me. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for that today. And I know, God, that there are many here, many here. Father God, who are wanting to be free, are wanting to be blessed. Well, God, first and foremost, teach us that being blessed is walking in communion with you having a relationship with you, talking to you daily, and knowing that you're for us because you love us. That's being blessed. And praise God for everything else that you give us when you bless us. Your prosperity financially. We thank you for your prosperity of peace, your prosperity of contentment. Everything that we need for life and godliness, you prosper us with. We bless you and thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if the altar workers would join me up here, those who are altar workers that I call upon regularly to come pray here at the altar, would you come up at this point? Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, today I recognize that I need a Savior. I, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior today. I, I feel as if my life, again, I understand today that without God, I am, I, I, there is no peace. I understand today that if I am to have eternal life, it's because I give my life to the Lord. And today I want to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, would you come up to the altar? Would you come up to the altar and receive prayer right now? You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you come up to the altar and let me know so that I can pray with you or one of the altar workers? we love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here and I'm going to make this very tough call, this very tough call again, Sunday after Sunday. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I've been keeping up an image of falsehood and I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired feeling like I just don't measure up. And I want to turn my life over to God with all of my brokenness and all my issues and trust Him. I just want to turn my life over to God because I'm tired of the falsehood, the facades. I want to give my life and all that over to God. Would you pray for me that He would teach me to just live my life as He called me to live it? 
If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you right now, right now, right now, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through. The last thing maybe you're hearing, as that last slide would say, um, you would say, Pastor, when you describe that whole condemnation and the whole thoughts that go through your mind, that's, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly where I'm at. I want to hand that over to God. I want to hand that over to God. I, w- I want Him to be my deliverance. I need Him. To, I, need, I need prayer for my mind. Right now I'm, I'm battling with a lot of condemnation and I need freedom there. Would you pray for me, Pastor? If that's you, would you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. Amen. We'd love to pray with you. The altars are open. Let me pray a blessing for all of you. Father, thank you for your presence, for your peace. Thank you for your guidance and your power over their lives. Thank you that your eye is upon them. Lord, that you will instruct them in the way that they should go. Lord God, continue to prosper and bless them as they obey and follow you. Lord, surround them with songs of deliverance and fill their hearts with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today. God bless you. See you later.